Man, it's good to be back from vacation. We had an awesome time just meeting Talitha and our Harley Davidson. Got to see all of Colorado. You gonna take that, bro? That's my notes, man. I was having a conversation with somebody recently, and uh, I want to share that with you in, re- in reference to, in response to worship today, just uh, in response to, to what we just sang and kind of hopefully where your heart is today in response to uh, your week, maybe, and things you've encountered over the last few weeks, uh, maybe. We can draw, you can draw something out of what the story I'm going to tell, but there, you know, it, it amazes me how long I personally live my life without understanding the grace of God. Uh, not the grace for my salvation, it was always a justification, you know, yeah, you, you got grace for salvation, but just not understanding the imputed righteousness of Christ, that God gave me, a, he gave me perfection when he gave me Christ. So when God looks at me now, he looks at Jesus and doesn't look at my good works anymore. He doesn't, he doesn't judge me based on how well I'm doing. And I was thinking this morning as we were singing the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, Reckless love of God, I love that song, it's one of my favorites. But just talking about how reckless it is for God to love us while we're in rebellion against him, right? And, and to love us even though we don't get it right, we're constantly messing up. And that verse, that actually comes out of Matthew chapter, that passage of the leaves of 99 to go after the one is a parable out of Matthew, I think it's 18. And, and that, in that parable, he's dealing with people who are trying to keep those who are simple from coming to Christ. The children, he compares them to children. Having the faith of children. Don't, don't stop the children from coming to me because this is what the kingdom of God is filled with. These are the ones. My, these are my children. And he talks about his sheep. He's talking about what, you know, what man who has, who owns a herd of sheep, of a hundred sheep, so he owns the sheep. They're already his sheep. We're not talking about people who are lost in the sense of not Christians. These were, this is the sheep that was already in the fold that he's talking about. When we sing that song, we're talking about us as sheep who are already in the fold. We're not talking about, oh, isn't it great that God came and found us when we were lost in sin. That, that is great, but he would have to, he, that's when he came and got us out of another sheepfold. And brought us in. That's not the story that's going on in Matthew 18. He's talking about Pharisees and religious rulers who are still trying to put this heaviness of works on people in order to gain something from the shepherd. Like if you're just a good sheep, then the shepherd's going to like you and it's going to be all right. Even though you belong to the shepherd, you better be a good sheep or else he's gonna, you're going to be cast out. No, this is the shepherd's sheep who's being a bad sheep, Right? who's doing what sheep do and wandering off, and then all of a sudden, well, hey, where's everybody else? Right? That's us. This is the one that's already in the fold who's out there roaming around. That's the grace of God. That's the imputed righteousness of God. He doesn't come to us because we're good. He comes to us because we're sheep, because we're in the fold, because of what Christ did for us. He sees the value in us because, because we're now in the fold, because of what Christ did to put us into the fold, into his fold. So when we think about all that stuff, man, it just, it just fills me with appreciation for the grace of God, which is the second song we sang, which just, you know, just flowed right into that, man, the reckless love of God to us. But I was telling the story, you know, I was just talking to someone who I've had a relationship with for a while, 
and, and who's been under some of our teaching for a while, but still just doesn't get the grace of God. And I know that that's probably true for some of you in here. I mean, it's probably true that you've, maybe you've, you've understood the grace of God to a certain degree, but do you know that God doesn't hold you accountable anymore for your sin? You're not, he doesn't look down and say, oh, you messed up, so let's see what I can take out of your life, or let's see how I can ruin your experience in life. Some of us still live our lives like he's after us. Like, why did God do this to me? God, why did God do this? No, sin does bad things to us. And we still, some of us, walk in sin, and we suffer the consequences as a result of that. And sometimes God lets us suffer those consequences long enough as a way to discipline us. We were talking this morning, uh, just four guys this morning, kind of sharing, you know, before worship, about specific things in our lives that God's working on us in that are the result of our own sin. And we walk in it, and we experience this discipline from the Lord. The Lord allows us to experience the full force of what those sins will bring into our lives. That is the discipline of the Lord. He doesn't take that away. This person was complaining about junk in their life and blaming God for it. I'm thinking, no, that's the result of sin. And really, ultimately, it's the result of sin in your own life. When we have sin in our lives, we're going to suffer. God came to save us from that. He goes out and gets us and brings us in and rubs the oil on our wounds and says, no, come be a sheep and just, just go with me. I'll lead you into to green pastures and still waters and, and restore your soul. That's my goal for you. That's, my, that's what I want for you to have so that, yeah, you're going to have tribulation in this world, but we're going we're gonna to overcome that tribulation. Ultimately, it's because we get to overcome by his power, overcome the sin in our lives. But God doesn't look down on us, man. He, he comes after us. He is so... He's, you know, the scripture describes God hiding our sins behind his back. Now, why would he hide our sins behind his back? What, what illustration is that? Is it so that God won't remember them? No, that's when he casts them as far as the east from the west. He says, so he remembers them no more. God doesn't hold our sins in front of us all the time. He's not, he doesn't see our sins. God sees the righteousness of Christ if you're a, a child of, of God. Rest in that, man, enjoy that. Worship because of it. It changes the way we do things. It changes our motive in living life. God's given us that. So, man, what a great worship experience. That's reckless love that God, the God of the universe who created us, doesn't hold our sins against us but takes care of our sin problem by putting blood, the blood of Christ, his sacrifice to take care of all of our sins past and then taking the righteousness of Christ to take care of all of our sins future. Now, what a beautiful picture. Please understand that. Grasp it. If you don't, I've got some, I mean, we can do one-on-ones and talk it through. I've got a book you can read. We can read it together. I've got a number of books. I've got a good one that I'm using right now. I've got a few copies right now. If you need to understand grace, let's, let's start working on that. Makes all the difference. So I missed you guys last week. Anyway, in the mountains, beautiful. Until I saw every kind of mountain, you know, shaking my head the whole time, driving 10, 15 miles an hour, realizing i got a line of cars behind me. Okay, speed up. i got... I mean, I can't, on that Harley-Davidson, you just, you see it all, experience it all, smell it all. Sometimes the smells are not good, but most of the time the smells are good. It was just great. It was just a great time to, to be with Talitha, remember why I married her. It was good, wasn't it, babe? She remembered why she married me. We came back more in love and just had just a great time, great time. But I was, I was driving up here this morning and thinking about specific ones of you and just how much how much, how blessed I am to have a relationship with you guys. 
uh, not to be your pastor, just to have a relationship with you. Yeah, I mean, God has just put such great people into our lives, and, and you are those great people. So we were excited also about being home and being back with you guys and just being able to see you today. And uh, I know a lot of our people are out doing Father's Day stuff. It's another day when babies are gone somewhere else. And Wardville location is having 10 babies dedicated today. We've got a number of people over there that are connected to families. And, but I can't wait to see everybody and, and uh, just, just uh, be together again. I'm ready for it. So thank you, Will, for last week uh, covering... Uh, Chapter 8 of uh, the beginning to cover, chapter 8 of the book of Acts. We're, we're moving our way through the book of Acts, and we're looking at what does a, a biblical community look like? So we're, our theme is, uh, the theme of the, of the messages is becoming a community that blesses. So a community, first of all, what is a biblical community? And then what does it look like when that community is living in fellowship with one another? And we've learned a lot from just breaking down these, these passages because the, in the book of Acts, we see the community of Christ in its, in its infancy, so also in its purest form, without any mixture of a bunch of stuff that we've added through the years. Just a pure, Holy Spirit-led community of believers who's walking in their new life in Christ as a result of his death and resurrection and, and his Holy Spirit coming to live in their lives. So this is pure community. It's pure, it's beautiful, and, it, and I'm learning so much personally as we go through this. I hope you are writing some things down, uh, absorbing some of this, also evaluating your behavior uh, to see if these are, these are things that the Spirit would also have happen in your life. We're not trying to duplicate what was happening in the book of Acts. We're looking at principles that were going on there. So last week, we'll start talking about what does it look like to be a community that reaches out to the lost. And we look at the life of Philip, and Philip is a great example to us of, again, of a nobody, just like Stephen, who comes out of uh, the community of believers and has this passion that the Holy Spirit puts on his heart to go to the Samaritans of all people to share the gospel. And man, God just flows through him and has the, the Samaritans put their faith in God. And it's amazing what happens in this Gentile village. Now, well, I don't think you covered uh, the, the Peter and John coming, did you? Okay, let me just touch on that before we move forward. So there's a reason why Peter and John came. Uh, so in, in the passage, let's pick it up real quick, and I'm just going to touch on this before we move to Philip, but in, uh, to the next passage. But in verses 14 through 17, it says, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, there's, there are churches that build a whole doctrine around this idea of it takes an apostle, which, you know, by my belief, we don't have apostles anymore. Uh, you know, we, we serve some of the roles as pastors that apostles serve, but we don't write scripture. We don't give you any new truth. The truth comes from the apostles. And we're, we're as, as believers, just like this first church, they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. Okay? And so what happens here is the apostles come, and God's doing a work in them. I have a friend who wrote a dissertation on this verse and a number of other verses dealing with the Holy Spirit and the, the movement of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people 
who receive the Holy Spirit after their salvation. And, and he makes this beautiful point in his dissertation. I'll touch it and we'll move on. But I think I'm convinced this is what the Lord is doing here. Peter and John both needed to know that Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there, were, there were Gentiles who had begun to believe in Christ, but, but they needed to see that Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit. They needed to see evidence of that. So there are a couple of times, and then Paul has another experience. Paul also has this experience where he lays hand on, hands on someone who had put their faith in, God, in Christ but had not received the Holy Spirit. Paul needed that as well, to be able to know by experience. Remember abiding, guys. We'll preach on that all last week. That what, what we're doing in, in evangelism is we're abiding in Christ, right? That's what makes us people who can bless is we're abiding in Christ, and God defines every moment along the way. We just follow his lead, and there's no limits to where he will take us as we abide in him. But also, as an, as a, an evangelist, God will give us experiences personally where we will see that the impossible can be saved. He will lead us to see the evidence. that He will give us evidence that we need by experience to know that he can move beyond where we think he can move. And in this case, they needed to know that they knew that they knew that Gentiles were now being grafted in. Paul's message to, to the church and all of his letters was that the Gentiles had been grafted in, and this was God's predestined plan before the beginning of time, that he would eventually bring in people that were not Jews. Okay, so this is very specific to Peter, and John. God sent them for a very specific reason, so that they could know by the evidence they saw of the Holy Spirit coming into the lives of these Samaritan believers that Samaritans could, be, could receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's all that's going on there. It is not a pattern for us to follow. We don't have to lay our hands on you as pastors of this church in order for you to receive the Holy Spirit. It's not a second gift. It is a first gift. The gift comes when you receive Christ, you receive this Holy Spirit. All of the Holy Spirit lives in you, okay? Just a little touch of doctrine, but you need to hear that and know it. It's what we believe here at the Gathering Place. You receive the Holy Spirit, you get all the Holy Spirit. And so the only limits that the Holy Spirit has in your life are limits that you put on the Holy Spirit, right? So you can be filled with the Spirit by not living in sin, allowing the Spirit to, to, to overtake every aspect of your life. And we see evidence of that in this book. All right, so that's what's going on there. Now, what happens next? Verse 26. Let's read there. 26 to 40. We'll pick up Philip in a new location. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Everybody awake? Say, oh yeah. Okay. This is a desert place. A desert place. Significant. And he went. He rose and went. Also significant. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in, uh, in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And Philip said, and, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join his, this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And, and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I, uh, about whom 
I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture that he told, uh, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the, the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, or Ashdod is the location that we're familiar with. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. All right, I'm going to move through this. But here's what I want us to talk about today. We are working on becoming a community that blesses. This is God's task for us this year. It is a timely and significant, purposeful task for us. This is, this is what we're doing here. So if you're not awake, wake yourself up, sit up in your spirit, get ready. You need to absorb this information because this is not a sermon to impress you. This is a sermon for us to apply that's going to help us to become a community that blesses. And today specifically, we're going to talk about blessing the wanderer. Now, all of us know at the gathering place, if you've been here long enough, you understand that blessing for us means B, begin with prayer, E, uh, <laughs> I've been belching all morning, so maybe I was going there. I don't know. L, <laughs> listen to them. E, eat with them. S, serve them. And our last S is to share the gospel or share our story, to share the truth about God. All right, today's story is a story where Philip, again, a you know, great evangelist now, is becoming this evangelist with a very specific purpose by God that we'll close with today. We'll see the purpose of God for him that's similar to the purpose that God has for us as a, as a church. But he is blessing this eunuch. So we're going to see the bless unfold in this, the beginning with prayer. He's not going to eat with him. It's the only thing he's going to miss. He's listening to him, that's why I wanted to eat. Listening to him, serving him, and then sharing the, sharing the gospel with him. Look at how that happens in this story. But first of all, before we get into that, verse 26, the Lord gives instructions and Philip follows. He, he gives the instructions that Philip needs to follow. Look at it. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, this desert place. And he rose and went. Listen, abiding in Christ, as Will talked about last week, we are not, sharing the gospel it does not change what we do. As, as, a, as a church, our, our whole premise and foundation for this church is that we abide in Christ. And so the way we share, we, we share the gospel with the world around us is by abiding in Christ. Now, we'll talk last, last week about how that, how that affects us personally as soul winners. And we're going to see today also our, our, how it affects who, who we go to and where we go. Today, we're going to see the same thing happening. Philip was already, has already shown that he would go anywhere, right? He showed that last week, that he would go anywhere that the Lord led him to go when he went to Samaria. Let me just ask, have you shown evidence? I mean, I know you believe it in your mind, but have you shown evidence that God can send you to any people, anywhere? But now Philip is being challenged to go to any place that the Lord would lead him. Have you shown evidence that God can send you to any place? Look, this was a bigger challenge because there were no people where God was sending Philip. 
It, it seemed like this, I mean, he's sending him literally to a desert place. It didn't make any sense that he would just go to the desert. I thought about, uh, uh, I can't remember who it was all of a sudden. Preach to the bones. Ezekiel, thank you. Ezekiel preaching to the dead men's bones. I mean, it's, it's like that. Well, who am I going to preach to? Go to the desert, he says. And Philip goes to the desert. This is a bigger challenge. It doesn't make sense that he would just go to the desert. But listen, God knows what he's doing. Y'all with me? God knows what he's doing. He is, maybe he sent you to a desert. Maybe the place where you work shows no evidence that God would be present there in any way, right? I can't tell you how many of you I've heard that from. Maybe the workplace where you serve every day, you see no evidence of God there, and you're wondering, God, why do you have me here? Or, God, surely you don't have me here, and you're looking for another job. You're making an application somewhere else, and you say, you know, this is a desert place. I don't want to be here with all these non-believers. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. You know what? God knows what he's doing. He placed you in the workplace where you are. Even when you see no evidence of God's movement, stay there. Maybe God's been trying to call you or move you to some other city or move you to some other uh, church or move you to some other um, country even. And you're thinking, why would I go there? I mean, I think about Brandon Roban. Man, I've been enjoying Brandon. We're going to get to hear him before he goes back to Turkey. But Brandon's back in town, our missionary in Turkey. He's been here, and we've been able to sit down and share. And, man, I'm so excited about what he's doing. But He's such a man of God. He understands abiding. He understands the grace of God. He, he knows how to share the message. He, he has a heart for the Lord. He's emotional, not like me. He's really soft toward the Lord. I mean, I'm, I'm excited every time I get around Brandon. Brandon's been in Turkey for four years. He has four friends, really, that are from that area. In four years? Now, David, I remember David going to see David in Canada when they were serving up there, and David had a few friends that he sat around with and gamed with, you know, and I think there was one, maybe one person in the time that y'all were there that came to believe in Christ. Don't question where God leads you. It's not about what everybody else is telling you is success. We can fill this church up with people real quickly, but we're not looking to fill this church up with people to just sit in a seat. We're asking God to send us to the places, to the desert places. And there's, you have Ethiopians out there that are waiting on you in your workplace. You have Ethiopians that might be waiting for you in another city or in another country. We want to bless you and send you out and send you to whatever place God would have you to go to. Philip, then, then Philip arose and went. Okay, He didn't sit there. He arose and went. I love that. When he knew what the will of God was, he arose and went. Aaron Slater's not here today, but Aaron makes me nervous. He's one of our elders. I mean, you guys know. Uh, he makes me nervous because he, he's always telling me, I think God's telling me to go to wherever. I'm thinking, God, can't you leave him home for a little while? You know? But look, as soon as he hears from God, he's making plans. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter where. He's going. I think about the, this week, I, we got to go see the Williamses, our, our missionaries that used to be in in Uganda or now in Colorado. We got to go visit with them, spent the night with them and refreshed our friendship and just had a great time with them. But I thought, man, these people will do anything. They will go anywhere. His wife, he and his wife left the States and went to Uganda when she was eight months pregnant. That was the second time that they moved when she was eight months pregnant. <laughs> Relocated because God said go and off they go. And man, before we know it, there's a church in Uganda. 
in the remotest area of, of Karamoja. 190-something, I think it was, or 167, I think, people received Christ in that village, and elders received Christ, and nine men wanted to become pastors in a remote area where no church was doing any work. I mean, God knows what he's doing, and it, he might send you to a place where nobody is. And, and church, listen, that's what the Holy Spirit does, so don't explain that away. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's sending everybody somewhere, but just, just be encouraged. If you feel like God's, you're in a desert, don't feel like you have to explain things. God knows what he's doing. The second thing, the Holy Spirit works in the heart of wanderers. Okay, In this case, this is a man who was a, a wanderer. He was searching for God in all the wrong places. He, just, he had just come from worshiping in the temple, and we all know what was going on in the temple. And there was no worship going on in the temple. There was no, he wasn't, people weren't finding God there. Later on, we're going to find Paul in two different, in two different books, or, or in this book, actually. Uh, we're going to find Paul, or maybe we already did find Peter, I don't know. Uh, who, they're going to leave the church, the established church, and start a church in a house. Because there's no, God's not in there. They dust their feet off in the existing church of their day. All right, same thing's happening here. So that this guy's wandering, but he's not wandering long because he's a lost sheep out in the wilderness by himself, and God sends him somebody. The 99, he leaves them and sends Philip to the one. Isn't that awesome? What God does, Acts chapter 8, verses 27 and 28 says, he arose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who, who was in charge of her treasure, had come to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. <laughs> God found the wanderer. He found him, and he was seeking him in the temple, uh, but he hadn't found the truth yet, and so God found the wanderer. Listen church. Not only is God going to bring, send us to the desert, but God's going to show us where the wanderers are. God already found them. He's found them, and he knows where we are, and he's going to put us together into some isolated moment. It happens all the time if you're watching for it. God will take you and put you in some moment with a wanderer that he's already working in their hearts. They've already discovered that there's nothing in religion for them, and they're looking for what's real, and he will place you together. And so just know that. God does that all the time. God found the wanderer. He brought the searching heart to the scripture that he needed to hear. And then he brought Philip to him to, just, to under, help him understand it. It was an Old Testament prophecy about Jesus. So that leads us to the next point. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in the place that he sends us. He's going to speak to you as a believer who's out there blessing people. He's going to send, speak to you and give you uh, what you need to do and what you need to say. All right, how does that happen? It happens because Philip is in constant contact with the Holy Spirit. All right, one, one thing we're learning about this church in the book of Acts that we need to surely embrace is, an, is a desire anyway and a commitment to, and a, and, uh, you know, to, to pursue the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, the moment-by-moment promptings and the, him speaking through his word, pursue him with everything that we are. We need to buy into that completely. That's what Philip is doing. The church is doing this. They're just abiding in the Holy Spirit. And they're learning all these new things. The Holy Spirit's leading them to do things they've never done before. So that's happening here. That's called prayer. That is what prayer is. Prayer is ceaseless communication between us and God. Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. That's what it is. It's not being on our knees all day. It's, it's not, hold on a second, got to pray. 
God, do you want? No, it's, it's constant communication, learning to be sensitive to spiritual leadership. You don't have to speak out loud. Just, all right, you know, in your mind, I feel like the Lord's leading me. I'm going here. Here we go. God, give me, tell me what to do. Tell me what to say. Philip's in constant communication. The Spirit spoke to him through prayer. Go over and join this chariot. So we need to begin with prayer. The Holy Spirit's going to give you a, a prompt as you continue to, to pray without ceasing. Learn to be in communication, constant communication with the Holy Spirit. Then the Spirit spoke to him through a circumstance. Philip hears him reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Holy Spirit says, that's what I want you to talk about. That's what I want you to talk about. So he speaks to him through the circumstance. He heard him reading, reading the prophet Isaiah, and sometimes the, the Holy Spirit will speak to you through circumstances. If you'll pay attention. You, get, you, you begin with prayer. You start praying for your, your friends that are not believers or friends that are wandering, and, and then you start paying attention to what the Holy Spirit uh, is doing. And when the Holy Spirit opens up a moment, in this case, it was the Scripture. Sometimes it might be something else for you. It would be a need that you can meet, a way that you can serve that person, the uh, fact that they need a friend or they, they need what, something that you have, whatever. In this case, Philip asked a question, that, and the Holy Spirit made it the right one. Remember that the Holy Spirit is going to be the one speaking. When you start to speak, if you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to speak, don't worry about it. Don't freak out. Don't say, oh, I'm going to say the wrong thing. The Holy Spirit made this question the right question. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. He knows the intentions of your heart. Just walk with the Holy Spirit whenever you're dealing with wanderers and lost people. The Holy Spirit speaks to him, through him and gave him the exact right question. The Holy Spirit gave Philip immediate favor also with this Ethiopian. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm riding in my chariot out in the wilderness, and this guy's out there, and, and all of a sudden, I like him and want him to come spend some time with me. I'm having you pick up hitchhikers on the side of the road. It just, it just has that feel to it. You know, yeah, I'm going to invite him in and learn from him. You know, you understand what you're reading? Do you understand that I'm not picking you up? I'm going, you know. But immediate favor is given. The Holy Spirit does that. You will experience that. As you walk with God in blessing people, you're going to experience this supernatural favor that you get with people that you know you don't, you don't deserve. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't even know why, they wanna, why they're asking you questions. I've been at times just shocked at, at, that someone's talking to me and asking me questions about life. I'm thinking, why are you trusting me? Why are you asking me questions? Who am I to you? I mean, r- random strangers at times. And then sometimes people that I've messed up with that come in at the weirdest times and start asking questions. The Holy Spirit will do that. He gives them immediate favor with him. So the Holy Spirit's working here. And, and he's, he's working in the place that he sent Philip. So keep that in mind. God will send you to a place and then begin with prayer. Pray for the people around you. Let's pay attention and see how the Holy Spirit is working in the place where he sent you. He's working in the people that are lost and wondering and he's working in you and he will give you the, the, an understanding of what to do. But this, look, the Holy Spirit surprises, I'm sure, Philip with this favor. Philip doesn't deserve this. This guy is a eunuch of great authority. He is a eunuch of the Ethiopian queen. And particularly, he's over the finances for the queen. So he's wealthy, he's got status, and he's busy taking care of all the queen's affairs. He doesn't, you know, Philip would think there's no reason why this guy would 
want to spend any time with me. God, you must have led me to the wrong place. Walk away. Walk away. Surely don't make a fool of yourself and go engage this important, busy, wealthy uh, man of status. But the Holy Spirit said, go. And so he goes in immediate favor with this guy. All right? Also, the Holy Spirit showed Philip a way to serve this guy. Here's the S in serve. Okay, we, we begin with prayer, uh, and he shows him a way to serve him here in, in verse 31. And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So now Philip has a way to serve him. I can go and interpret the scripture to him. I can go and tell him what this Old Testament story is about. I can spend some time with this guy getting up in his chariot. Right? And some of you, and God wants you to serve people. He wants you to get up in their business, get up in their chariot, and they're, and they're inviting you, and, and you have favor with them, but we're not taking the time to get up and do what God's already led us to do. I've been convicted about that this week, just thinking about people, while these two, this, this chapter eight's just been challenging to me about being more intentional about getting up in people's chariots. People are already inviting me. I just need to do it. I need to get up in people's chariots. So here's Philip jumping on an opportunity given by the Holy Spirit to serve the eunuch by explaining the scriptures. Now, this is the first S in the blessed acrostic. So let's do that. Let's watch for an opportunity to serve people. I don't know how much you're doing that. We're all busy. You particularly are busier than I am. You got kids. I don't have kids anymore in the house. Uh, you know, that's, that's a busy season. There's a lot. We got, we'll have 10 babies before the year's up in this church or so. I think it is. Um, you know, that you're busy. I know it. We've got a lot going on. But following the Holy Spirit, not making something happen, not trying to make yourself busier than you are, but when the Holy Spirit prompts you, you've got time. Get up in people's chariots. Then the Holy Spirit puts questions on the, hearts of the, on the heart of the eunuch. I love this. The question is already on the heart of the eunuch. He's engaged with the Scripture. He's trying to do what he knows to do, which a lot of people are doing in this town. They're very busy doing religious stuff. They're working hard to try and get something, get something. They want something to fill that void in their lives, and religion has not done it. This person I was talking about before service, I mean, before I started preaching, well, I guess it was all preaching, but anyway, that story, that person is still trying to find God in busyness and work and religious activity. But God's got a question on the heart of this eunuch. I won't read the whole passage. Just uh, skip to verse 34, Mike, if we can. The eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? What a great question. <laughs> but he asks the question, and Philip, because he's listening instead of speaking, 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 he's following the Holy Spirit's prompting. The Holy Spirit already set the stage by leading the eunuch to the right scripture. And then now he's setting the stage by putting the right question in the eunuch's heart. How, how hard is that? He, he, Philip is not going to some stranger's door, knocking on the door, saying, hey, can I, uh, I'm taking a survey. Right? I've done it before, and I felt so guilty. I, wanted to, I should have just gone, hey, I'm lying to you by saying that I'm taking a survey. I'm not even bringing the numbers back of the questions I'm going to ask you, but I only have one question I want to ask you. Right? The, but here's, how hard is it when someone comes and when someone that works around you that's been brought there by the Holy Spirit, someone that the Lord's prompted you to go to that location and y'all are there together and they ask you a question about something that you know about God. How hard is that? 
That's what we're committed to at the gathering place. All right? As, as if we're going to bless people, we need to listen to them. They're asking the questions. They're, they may not ask it in question form. Sometimes it's statements that are going to be in the form of, I need to know some information. And the Holy Spirit will put a question mark at the end of it. But we need to pay attention to what they're saying because the Holy Spirit's the one that puts it on their hearts. Just pay attention. You know, if we're going to be walking with God as a community that blesses, then, then we need to be prepared for God to bring people in our lives to bless. It just makes sense, right? So listen to them. Philip, listen to the questions that the Holy Spirit put on the heart of the eunuch. Uh, and it's so significant that we use the word, too, as God leads. Okay, use the word as God leads. Don't memorize things in order to follow a plan or whatever, but just know, know the Scripture. Spend time in the Word. I had somebody this week, actually, actually was, uh, and, and I'll give this to those of you who are going to Honduras, particularly those of you that are going to be teaching, which neither one of those guys are here. But uh, read the Gospels. Try to read the Gospels in a month. Just, I mean, don't, don't, make a, don't, make it a, don't feel guilty if you don't. Just read the Gospels. Read them. And get the words of Jesus in your, get the life of Jesus and the words of Jesus in your mind. And you'll be, you'll be ready to share things when they come up. But anyway, the hearing of the word uh, made him question some things. And the Holy Spirit was working in that. So don't forget that. It's vital for us to listen to them before we speak. And I got to tell you, most, most, of the, most of the churches that I've served in, in my pattern in the past that I think has been faulty, has been to have a lot of things to say rather than just to listen for the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in the heart of the person that I'm sharing with, right? Does that make sense? It's easy to do that. All right, then, the Holy Spirit led Philip to share the gospel in a personal way. Verse 35 says, Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture that the, that the guy was reading, beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So Philip meets him where he is. Philip takes what the Holy Spirit's already put into this man's life and begins to meet him there, uh, realizes he's still searching for the Messiah, even though he had just come <clears throat> from church, and even though he was reading the Bible, he was still trying to find Jesus, trying to find the Messiah. He's still stuck in the law and the teachings of the religion of his day. So Philip follows the Holy Spirit's prompting, and he tells him the good news. Now, that's the second S, right? So now we have... The whole crossing, except they didn't eat anything that we know of. Maybe they did. Maybe they ate a little something. But there's, there's the bless of crossing. That's what God's called us to do. Uh, we need to be prepared to share about the grace of God and keep it simple. It's not a complicated process. Listen, we are not, I was reading this morning, and I don't know where it was. Uh, I think it was in Ezekiel, um, in, in the Moravian readings this morning. And we, they were talking about this, this idea of, just how simple it is. The gospel is so simple. It's not complicated. We don't, you know, I love where we started today is that, you know, it's children. It's like children. We don't have to tell them what the fruit's going to look like. That's not the goal. The goal is not to, get, to make it complicated. It's to keep it simple. Uh, and so just sharing the basic gospel, the grace of God and how it covers our sins and how, it, how God's grace gives us the perfection of Christ and, and how we can walk in relationship with God. All right, and then God brings individuals to himself and strengthens us in our evangelism as we follow the Holy Spirit. Two things happen as a result of this. Someone comes to God. God brings them to himself. And then also, Philip is strengthened. Look at it. 
as we close out, verses eight, uh, 36 to 40. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down to water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. So the eunuch believes. He comes to faith in Christ. No surprise there. The Holy Spirit's been doing all this work, bringing Philip to this random desert place, uh, and, and, and bringing this, putting, putting this guy in the scripture, and you know, bringing Philip to answer the question. All that stuff was the Holy Spirit working. He's doing that in your workplace. He's doing that in your neighborhood. He's doing that wherever you are. He's going to do it today in a restaurant, possibly, uh, in the places that you frequent. He just does it all the time. The Holy Spirit's working. He's working on people. He's working on you. And just pay attention. We need to abide, as Will talked about last week. We need to continue to abide in Christ so we can bless people. You can't bless people if you're not abiding. The Holy Spirit has to do it all, and we're, we're just going to need to be sensitive to His leading. B- abiding starts where? Where does it start? Step one. Come on. Right, blessing starts there. Where does abiding start? Come on, people. Right? Hearing God's voice. Hearing the commands of God. Knowing what God's telling us to do is where it starts. So we need to tune in to the Holy Spirit. We need to learn. We need to spend time in the Word. We need to spend time in prayer. We need need to listen, right, to the Holy Spirit. Sounds like we also need to go back and read Abiding Cycle one more time. Now, y'all know. You know the process. You just don't know what the official word was. But anyway, he does that here. So they're going along the road, and this guy's baptized. He, he, he is determined to follow through. He wants to say, no, I'm done with the life I had before. This makes sense. This is what the Holy Spirit was doing. And he's pushing for baptism. He commands them, stop, there's some water. There's a puddle of water over there. Baptize them. And that, that's the way it was in Uganda when those, those men were saved. They had to wait for a good rain before they could get a puddle big enough to baptize them in. But they all got baptized. It's crazy. All right, but then look what else happens. And they came up out of the water, and the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. Just, hey, by the way, that's not code for anything. I mean, the words in the Greek text reveal the truth that he was gone. He was taken away. It's a very strange piece of text, okay? I don't understand it. I'm not going to spend any time talking about it, but he was gone. He was taken away so that he was not seen by anybody, all right? Gone, totally gone. But, verse 40, Philip found himself, he found himself, (laughs) it's pretty good, he found himself at Azotus, or Ashdod, and as he passed through, preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. He is totally determined to preach wherever he goes now. And look, this work with the Ethiopian eunuch, okay, I'm going to the wilderness, it's kind of probably like Abraham did, you know, okay, I love you, God, I I know you're smarter than me. You're leading me to a place of which I know not. Here I go. Let's go. Pack up everybody. Let's, here we go. That's what God does. God puts us in places where we can experience him working, and, we, and he knows, and we know it's not us. Doesn't make sense. He does it all the time. And so he's going to do it, and he does it here. And Philip now finds himself in another place. But guess where he is? He's in Ashdod. Ashdod is one of the only cities that was not taken by the Israelites when they went in and took all, the, all the, uh, of Canaan. It's one of the strongholds of the Samaritans. There was a Samaritan uh, uh, place of worship, Gentile place of worship, not Samaritan, Gentile place of worship 
in Ashdod. Still, at that time, there were a number of efforts. Uh, it's not covered in Scripture, but in some of the hi- history books, uh, historical books, Josephus talks about this. Uh, Mac- Maccabeus talks about this, about the, the, uh, uh, the times that people went to, to destroy that town, and it's still in existence. So there's these Gentiles that are committed to Gentile worship still. And who's got, who does God send? Who does God pluck out of the desert and put in Azotus? Philip. You see a pattern? Samaritans, Ethiopians, Gentiles in, a place, in their place of worship, in their stronghold. He found something that Philip needed to do. He, Philip had a call on his life that the Holy Spirit was going to work him and move him in this direction to people that nobody else was going to reach. Y'all feeling that? I don't care. I don't care about who it is that God teaches. Look, we're on the long haul with people. We will go the long road with people. We're going to stay with them. We're going to build relationships. We're going to maintain relationships as long as we need to. There are people in this, that are in this church today and will be and are part of our body that has you know, chosen to be here who are, are, will never be reached by anybody else. I believe God's calling us as a church to be the Phillips. Y'all agree? We're not worried about how many we baptize this year. They're going to call us and ask us. They want us to give a report at some point. We're going to give a report. I'm not embarrassed to say two in a year. I'm not embarrassed to say four or didn't make it this year. I'm not embarrassed about that. You know what? I believe God's called us to be Phillips. Here's what I know. Personally, by myself, in one year of my ministry, when I was all about religion and packing the pews full of people, I saw over 400 teenagers in a youth program. Over 400 coming from a community that was messed up. But we, were do- we weren't, I wasn't about leading people to know God. I was about pull- putting people in a room so I could tell people. Guess how many we had? 400. It's not about that. We can do that, okay? We're not stupid people, right? Everybody in here is smart. You're smart enough to realize that we could fill these seats with people if we wanted to. It's easy. We could do, do all the things that people do to fill seats with people. But who's going to reach the atheists, the universalists? Who's going to reach the people that have been torn up by life, the people whose families have been ruined by sin and by life and by, by church? Who, who's going to reach those people who are out there wandering who have been searching and searching and searching and have even tried church and have not found God there, who's going to go out and reach those people? I want to say it's going to be the gathering place. I want to say that the Holy Spirit is working in us to be a church of Phillips that are out there being willing to do that. I believe we have the heart to reach those who are going to be hard to reach, those that are not going to be reached by other churches. I'm not downing the other churches. I'm not, look, please, y'all go reach those people because we're not after them. We're after those that are going to be hard to reach. It doesn't mean we're not going to get some people that are easy to reach. Sure, there's going to be some that's going to be a quick runway, you know, it's a takeoff. It's like, like this one, right? God's going to lead us to an Ethiopian that's going to be ready right now. And it, it God, but God does all of it. And we're going we're gonna to give God time to build this the way that he wants to build it. I mean, we're struggling right now to, to see what God's going to do in Ruston in that small group 
of people. It's, 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 it's tough from week to week. It's growing small. We've been there almost, almost a year, and there's you know, a couple of three families and a few scattered others. And we've lost as many as we got. But it's okay. We're not trying to build a big church of people. We're just trying to be sensitive to abide in the Holy Spirit and to bless the people that God puts in our lives. So here it is, church, in the book of Acts, what God called us to do and be in the way of blessing others. It's right here. All the truths are here. It's, it's, it begins with what Will talked about last week, of you abiding in the Holy Spirit, of God being able to send you anywhere, put you anywhere, whether you feel qualified or not, put the words in your mouth, give you the, the, the effects that you need to come to know God by experience. But we need to learn by experience that God has people out there that he wants to bring to himself, and he wants to use us to do it. And here's, here's, the, here's the point for us. I mean, I know all that stuff is going to be stuff you're going to talk about this week in life groups. But here's the main point for us this week. We are not doing this. We are not doing this. We're, we're not paying attention. If I were to ask you to write down the name of the people that you're blessing and how you blessed them this week, my guess is that nobody, if some, very few of you have even prayed for anybody this week who's not a believer. My guess is that we're fighting the leadership of the Holy Spirit. All this is about is us recognizing that this is the way the Holy Spirit works. And if we're going to bless people, we have to bless people. We can't just do it in our minds and agree with the philosophy of the idea and say, oh, yeah, that really does sound like it would be good for us. We need to do something different this week. Okay, so let's go B, begin with prayer. Let's go L, listen to somebody this week. We're not trying to win the world. We're just trying to find out, God, who do you want to put in our lives that has something to say that we need to hear? And as we're listening, let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of what we need to say, maybe, if we need to say anything. Let's eat with people. Eat with somebody this week. Get somebody on your mind today, before the day's up, that you need to eat with, that's wandering or lost out there. Eat with them and see if the Holy Spirit doesn't light something up in that meal doesn't give you some opportunity and make you see that he's working in that person's life. And then, then serve them by either sharing something uh, based on what they're saying, by ministering to them in some way. It doesn't have to be spiritual. It may be that when you're eating and talking, they're saying, man, I'm just overwhelmed. My house is a wreck and all this stuff. Hey, can I come to your house and help you clean it? Serve them, right? Your service may not be the service that Philip had. It might be a service that you just listen. As you're listening, they give you something that you know you need to go help them do. The lawnmower's broken. They say, hey, I'm going to come over your yard and we need it for you. I mean, I just want to do that for you. And then maybe we can work on getting your lawnmower fixed. Right? Just serve them. And then it may be God will give you an opportunity also for some immediately to share the gospel. Share your story. Share how grace and God has changed your life. How that character of God has changed the way you see life. You have a story to tell, a story that they may need to hear. But let's do something different this week, okay? That's what this is about, church. We need to become a community that blesses. Being a biblical community means the Holy Spirit is filling us, leading us, and even in our sharing and blessing, the Holy Spirit is the one doing it. So let's be sensitive, more sensitive this week. Let's think about it every day in life groups. Let's ask each other this week, How's that going? Leader, life group leaders, 
and, and host homes. Remember that. Everybody, just remember that. Let's talk about that this week. How have you seen the Holy Spirit moving and working? And it's okay if you can say, man, I hadn't seen it at all, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't even have my person. Let's do that. Get it out in the open, because it's true. Just get it out there. Let's talk about that, and so that we can begin to change that. It's not, any, it, it, we're, for some of us, I think we're still, we're still pretending. We're still trying to pretend so that we'll feel like we're going to be accepted because we don't want people to know we're not spiritual. Everybody knows it already. Your pastor's not spiritual. It's okay. But we've got to start where we are and move with the Lord into the place that he has us. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the way that you're opening it up for us. And Lord, uh, we want to be like Philip in the sense that he was open to the Holy Spirit, leading him to strange places, to uh, unlikely people. And he himself was an unlikely servant. And yet, all of that meant that he was ready to be used by the Holy Spirit to bring someone to you. Thank you for that story. Let it be our story. God, help us this week to live life differently. Put somebody in our lives. God, put someone on our minds even right now that, that we work with, that we live around, that, we, uh, that serves us in a restaurant or coffee shop or whatever. God, that, that hangs out in a place that we frequent. Put somebody on our minds that we can begin to pray for, listen to, eat with, serve, and share. God, help us to do that this week. Tell us what to do. We need your words in our mouths. We need your actions in our hands and feet. We need your thoughts in our mind. We need your word, Lord, your, your scripture, your, your interpretation of, of scripture. And we need your truth to give to people who have questions about you. So all of that, Lord, we are dependent on you to do, as you did in this first church and in the life of Philip. Let us be your Philip's. God, give us opportunities this week to get up in people's chariots. In Jesus' name.